0: You see, we got a podcast here. And the big thing about it is we got his girlfriend. Yeah, that's the big line in The Phantom. And yes, I'm pissed. And yes, I'm showing my hand right now for the intro because we watched The Phantom. So you know what that means. It's in the basket, the writer's bagel basket. These skulls are more powerful than I ever imagined. I've harnessed the energy of the sun. Who needs a fourth skull?
1: I do. And I know where it is. I've worn it all my life, for protection. I never really understood what that meant until right now.
0: Ha! What a cheap jungle trip! Tear me apart, Lisa! Aw, dang! I'm so excited! I'm so (laughs) scared! Oh, no. Hey, would you mind putting that gun away? my wife doesn't care but I'm a very timid fellow you idiot don't be mean we don't have to be mean because remember no matter where you go there you are hi welcome to writers bagel basket I'm Scott Kerland and we end not Your Average Saturday morning with The Phantom because it was a 1950s serial that was also a comic strip that for some reason robert evans had such you know i don't even i i I guess let me get my guest christopher brown in here to to give his opinions what do you think chris Do, do you think he was on such a cocaine infused you know fever dream that that he he's like i gotta make the phantom fuck superman
1: for those who came in late, uh, this is Christopher Brown, and I'm guest-starring on uh, Writer's Bagel Basket with Scott Carland, and we're discussing uh, the 1996 film The Phantom.
0: And, I, and I'm, <laughs> I'm just the insane. The reason I say
1: that is because this film opens with a card that says For Those Who Came In Late, and I have never seen anything so ridiculous at the top of a film.
0: Once again, this was the dream child of producer extraordinaire uh robert evans and alan ladd jr whose father alan ladd senior started paramount
1: well that's good because i mean it's better that this movie came out of it than anything that usually comes out of dream children which is normally dream warriors and that's a different ballpark entirely and we're not here to discuss that
0: are we talking about solar babies too
1: Might as well. I mean, we've we've already talked about two other franchises while we're here that are not related to the Phantom, so, and I've got another one up my sleeve too.
0: And, well, there, there's a reason why I wanted you to do this because you've become kind of our my go-to person for Joe Dante movies because I love Joe Dante and you seem to be cool with him.
1: I like I like everything I've seen by Joe Dante, uh, even even Gremlins too.
0: The new badge.
1: Yes. Yes. In all of its batshit insane glory, I I enjoyed that film.
0: So originally Joe Dante was supposed to direct this movie. He he wrote the screenplay, which they ended up taking his name off of, but he was supposed to direct it. He wanted it to be like a satire on 19... Forty serials, and it was supposed to be campy and funny and over the top. He cast Bruce Campbell as Kit Walker. He casted Phil Hartman as Xander Drax. He casted. <laughs> Obviously, we all so know who. We know who Dick Miller would have played.
1: So, this is interesting to me because just a little, a uh, little bit of insider baseball here. Um, you know how Hollywood writing works in terms yeah. of who gets credit and everything like that through a process called arbitration, which mm-hmm. funny enough, it seems to be completely arbitrary in how it works. So yes. I'm wondering how Joe Dante, who wrote the bulk of the script, who was deemed during arbitration to deserve oh, no credit for it.
0: That's where this story continues, my friend, because oh, interesting. they didn't rewrite the screenplay. They left it. They just put someone else's name on it. And, they invited him to the premiere because he's on there as executive producer and he's sitting in the theater and keep in mind, as I said before, it was written as a satire. This movie is played as a drama and he's in the theater and he goes, Oh God, they didn't change my script at all. They kept everything (laughs) in.
1: Well, they they took away some sort of mythical beast fight that was originally at the end. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? Um, yeah, he was supposed to fight, let's see. Yeah, there was supposed to be a a fight with a winged demon at the climax of the film <laughs> and they t- they knew enough to take that out.
0: But yeah, so uh, according to production on this joe dante's vision was it was going to be shot in sepia they were going to have it look almost vintage there were going to be film cracks there were going to be reels missing it was going to be like an old nineteen fifty serial and it was going to be played for laughs like all of the dialogue mm-hmm. and they kept all of that dialogue the same they didn't change anything just inflection and if you
1: yeah and well oh, it's it's, Most it's importantly, you didn't give
0: us the blockbuster rule yet. <laughs> Shit. Oh, yeah. I'm so, I'm so enraged.
1: <laughs> well, give me one second, because I need to, to look up specifically how the Phantom is phrased here. Ah, uh, yes. So this film is about an African, yet white, uh, warrior who is a legend uh, in, in his local region where he uh, abides, which is an area called Bengala. And things get a little hairy when he meets his, when his college girlfriend gets intertwined with an international plot for global domination.
0: So if it's supposed to be South Africa, why doesn't he talk like this?
1: <laughs> he was educated in uh, the United States.
0: I don't care. I want short toe coplay. Cool
1: <laughs> Would he have been the right age for this? No, he's definitely not the right build, but I don't care. Like, we've had fun with casting before.
0: Well, well, that's the funny thing. Apparently, they were worried because, like, if you remember late 80s, early 90s, Billy Zane, he wasn't, he was like a scrawny tall guy. And apparently he showed up on set like he was working out for a year straight and he comes in like jacked. (laughs) And they're like, Yeah, I
1: mean, he, he was absolutely jacked in this. Like, actually, he's one of the few people out there where I think adding muscle to him makes him less imposing. Yeah. Because when you watch him on Twin Peaks, I see him and I'm like, this guy has committed a sexual assault before.
0: All I think of when I see Billy Zane is, how did he get changed so fast? Back to the Future Part 2, that's his only line (laughs) in the entire movie. Oh, wait, no, he has, we can do this the uh, hard way or the easy way. The easy way. (laughs) I mean th- that's all I think of when I think of Billy Zane is back to the future. And he also told- had Oh, I was going to say he has a back to the future coaster in this movie.
1: Did I ever tell you about how I watched Back to the Future Part 2 in chemistry in high school?
0: No, please go on. <laughs>
1: And My chemistry teacher who was an absolutely batshit insane, man I don't I this is not the time or place to go into all the stories about this man, but he insisted one day that over the which, course which of um,
0: Heartthrob 80s started he have a crush on was it also River <laughs> Phoenix?
1: No, um, the problematic thing about him is that he had a crush on students um, so oh, he decided. No
0: no yeah
1: it's i i told you we didn't have to go into the rest of it and then you took yeah, me. Please. you led me like a horse to water
0: i didn't mean to you had that teacher who was obsessed with river phoenix who got so sad when river phoenix died i thought your your well, school was eccentric and like it would be like jennifer conley or kirsty swanson who is in this movie
1: well his his favorite celebrity that i knew of was charles manson because he would frequently play his albums for us ah no so it yeah, he insisted one day when we had uh, two lab periods, two days in a row. He's like, "All right, idiots, we got a movie that we're gonna be watching the next couple of days. It's called Chemistry." Film. <laughs> yeah, basically that's what we're expecting. It's called Chemistry in the Future. Yeah. I, picture
0: like, just... <laughs> I picture you like, I picture you like Nicholas Cage from Eight Millimeter watching the movie, <laughs> putting like the handkerchief to your head and like biting your 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 chin as you're like horrified. Oh my God, are they killing well, these people?
1: By watching the movie in two chunks like that, it made me realize, like, wow, I don't really like Back to the Future Two all that much. And the fact that I'm being led back here to this lab to watch it again while this creepy teacher gums his ice cream, <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want. Is he missing deal with teeth?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. You see, he was like Chris Cooper from Adaptation. He went through the windshield, and all his teeth came out. <laughs>
1: Well, his main job, he would frequently tell us, was that he was uh, a mortician, Uh, and he told us that teaching uh, just provided his drinking money.
0: My real job is, you see, I'm missing all of my teeth. What I do is I go down to the freak show and I take these billiard balls and I put them in my mouth.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Yeah, that that guy was insane. And the crazy thing about the late 90s, he quit. He wasn't (laughs) fired. He left of his own volition.
0: I mean, those billiard balls are not going to put them in the, themselves <laughs> in his mouth. <laughs> but I actually told you that I had a story about this movie. So for yeah. my 10th birthday party, my parents took me and uh, my friends to see The Phantom. Because we're like, oh, my God, this is going to be the big movie of the summer. Spoiler alert, it wasn't. <laughs> um, it, it, this came out on my birthday. In 1996. And I was so excited because it was a superhero movie. There hadn't been a superhero movie for a while. So we're in the theater and the theater's yeah, empty. and I Batman,
1: tur- Return- Batman Forever the year before.
0: Right. Almost a year. <laughs> literally a yeah. year to the day. So we're in the theater. The theater's empty. And I turned to my parents... I'm like, oh my God, did you buy out the theater for us? And my dad's like, uh, (laughs) yeah. And my mom's like, don't lie to him. No, no one's seeing this movie, Scott. (laughs) We were in an empty theater and it was literally like a a 4 p.m. showing. So it wasn't quite matinee and it wasn't quite evening. So like it should have been filled with people and it was opening day, opening weekend. Other
1: people in general, yeah.
0: Yeah, there should have been that weird chemistry te- teacher with the billiard balls instead of a bag of popcorn.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and the great thing is it apparently didn't open up against anything. Uh, the Rock opened up a couple days later, as did uh, the cable guy.
0: Yeah, I know. So for that fact, was
1: the sole new release that weekend. And for that to have an empty theater, that's insane.
0: But it did beat the cable guy at the theater.
1: It didn't beat yeah, the, the, C- rock. Well, the Rock. The rock the Rock did really well. It made Michael Bay's career. But yeah. yeah. The Cable Guy. The Cable Guy was actually the first Jim Carrey flop.
0: Yeah. Do you do you believe the the film theory that The Rock is actually a sequel to James Bond? Sean Connery as James Bond like he's supposed to be James Bond in that.
1: I could I mean, I can see making that argument, but I don't see the purpose of making that argument.
0: <laughs> what about the plausibility of living after stabbing a giant needle into your heart?
1: I mean, these things happen. Just look at Pulp Fiction.
0: Both of those movies creeped me out as a kid. But so I just remember being so excited, thinking that my parents spent all this money to rent out this theater, and then learning that no one wanted to see this movie. <laughs> like then <laughs> I I'm have really chosen see- the
1: wrong movie.
0: <laughs> well, then a year later, we went to the theater for my birthday, and I'm like, "Oh, can we see Good Burger?" And my mom's like, "We already got you tickets to see Air Bud." <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Ah oh, man, this sucks.
1: I mean, that's that's really kind of you're 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 not really winning with either of those picks. To be honest with you,
0: the thing that sucks the most is if I waited two weeks at my birthday party, Men in Black would have come out.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, that would yeah. have been a better pick.
0: And with this oh. movie, if I had waited two weeks, um, oh my god! If I, did, I think Independence the, Day, right? What?
1: Independence Day, right? Yeah, Independence you Day. Waited a couple weeks. Yeah.
0: Yep. Or if I waited three months, I could have saw first kid with Sinbad.
1: <laughs> right, right, right. Or if you had waited four years, you could have seen Star Wars Episode One: uh, The Phantom Menace.
0: <laughs> uh, I'll tell you a story. off my what, what, about... what are you
1: doing here? Oh, I'm celebrating my 10th birthday, <laughs> sir. You appear to be at least 14. <laughs> I am.
0: <laughs> I was 13. <laughs> It was three years, 99.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right.
0: Yeah, I remember what we saw for my 13th birthday. That was Austin Powers' Spice Spy Shack Me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, right. so so with this movie, I just remember like being like, oh my God, The Phantom is so cool. And then I saw the movie, I'm like, I, I'm doing that thing that a kid does when like you know you saw something bad. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to admit it's bad. And also the fact I have this on DVD. It was given to me as a gift and it came with a, a free digital download. So I have that digital copy and that's how I watched this. Oh, excellent. But yeah.
1: Well, now now you have it forever.
0: Yep. Man. I just... For some reason, this time around watching it, I'm like, Billy Zane looks so miserable in this. Like, He doesn't have the charisma of, say, the original Phantom they wanted, Billy Zane. I mean, not Billy Zane. Damn it. Damn it, Zane, you did this to me. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Campbell. yeah, man. Yeah. Bruce, yeah. I mean, they both got gins. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Bruce I is mean, better.
0: Well, so I'm watching this movie and every now and then Haley would walk in, look at the screen go, eh, and then walk out. <laughs> and then when, when she actually saw the Phantom without his mask on and saw his Billy's hand, she's like, Oh, it's him. The douchebag from Titanic. I'm like, yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, just rewinding a little bit. One thing I want to get out of the way early on, the title uh, at the beginning of the movie is one of the best titles I've seen in a film. Uh, since friday the 13th the first one where like the logo comes and breaks glass in that particular case it's, yeah. it's pretty similar in this and and i fucking loved it
0: but yeah that's the thing i i feel like this movie would have been amazing if they stuck with joe dante's vision
1: yeah they didn't weaned into the camp
0: yeah like i feel like this movie would have been a lot better i mean that's really all all I can say about this, for for that part. And also his cast, I would have loved. Don't get me wrong, Tree Williams in this movie is great. Tree Williams is, is awesome.
1: The, he is one of my he, favorite parts by far. He's the
0: best thing about this. However, with that said, Phil Hartman as Xander Drax would have been amazing.
1: It would have been. It would have been a completely different beast. Um, yeah, I, th- I think you. I think you need. Phil Hartman wouldn't have worked in this. Iteration of the movie, I think Treat Williams makes it as comical as humanly possible without going too far. Well, like I, I think he actually understands the movie that was supposed to be made. Yeah, he, he and um, uh, what's his name, John Capad John Capadici, is that his name, the taxi driver?
0: Well, yeah. So that that was the original um, Dick Miller role. That was the role written okay. for for Dick Miller, obviously. That's why he has, yeah, that so screen te- screen <laughs> he has so much screen <laughs> team. This him. he has so much screen team. That's why he has so much screen time, is because...
1: Yeah, those, those two, I think, are awesome. They both just absolutely make this movie. They know 100% what they're in for, and they are, they are going for it, both of them.
0: Well, you, you know who John Cappadici also is. Yeah, I mean, he's
1: in um, Independence Day, right?
0: Well, is he?
1: I, I thought he was because there are a couple people uh, in this that were also in Independence Day.
0: I was thinking more of you know a show that your wife likes, Boy Meets World. He's chubby.
1: Oh, from, okay. From, yeah, I from mean, Boy Meets
0: World, he's chubby.
1: Yeah, I I don't watch, but I, I've seen all of Boy Meets World. But the amount I have retained, I could probably count on one hand. Yeah, he was mm-hmm. in Independence Day. He played Mario. You know, everyone's favorite character, Mario from Independence Day. Oh, how
0: could I forget Mario and his big monologue about how to destroy the aliens? Oh, what you got to do is give them a cold. Fuck you, Jeff Goldblum. We
1: give him a cold. Now hand me that meatball sandwich. I want to eat it.
0: And then he ate it in one bite like a cartoon character.
1: (laughs) He tied a string around it and just got it right down.
0: But yeah, so those two are perfectly cast and if you think about it, it makes sense for Tree Williams because he was in 1941, which okay. was Spielberg's satirical, you know,
1: mm-hmm. where it, it was like war spoof.
0: Yeah, his war spoof that no one really talks about because it's kind of offensive. <laughs> like really, yeah, offensive. Spielberg
1: made some greats, you know, ET, Raiders of the Lost Ark,
0: 1941. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I think Zane in this movie, Billy Zane, they cast him because he's handsome. Let let's not beat around the bush. Like he was in this movie because he's a dreamboat. And the only reason why he got Titanic is because do you know the story?
1: About why he got this or Titanic. Why he
0: got why he got Titanic because of this movie.
1: Oh, he got it because of this movie. Jesus. Be-
0: Why? Because he, he had a contract with Paramount, and Paramount and Fox were were financing Titanic, and mm-hmm. they owed him a movie. And I believe James Cameron didn't want him. I think James Cameron... Who did James Cameron want? I think it was... I think it was McConaughey. When he turned McConaughey down for for playing jack i think he offered mcconaughey the role of uh billy zane's character and he's like i don't want to be the bad guy all right all right all right um (laughs) and the studio intervened, and they're like we got billy zane i think he can do it and james cameron oh it was michael bean he wanted michael bean to be
1: that's odd because he would have been a weird age to be engaged to Kate Winslet at that point. He would have been a strange but, age for that. But back that to was our conversation about like Hollywood weeding men back in, you know, back in the day being 30 years older than their but female That's co-stars. why he wanted
0: to do it. That's why, because he wanted it to be like a melodrama like that. And mm-hmm. the studio's like, okay. no, why don't we get Billy Zane? And Zane's like, okay, I'll do it. Do you want me to shave my head bald? Did you read that? No. <laughs> So he didn't want to wear a bald cap for when he was in the the phantom costume. So so he's like, you "No, know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to shave my head bald." And they're like, "But what about all the scenes without you, you know, wearing the the thing?" And he's like, "Oh, well, why don't we shoot those first?" And they're like, "Well, we we already okay, they're like that was the direction. Our-
1: <laughs> How far over budget did this go because like, doing that's making that sort of decision is is not a a cost effective way to do things
0: I think they they went at least fifty thousand dollars over budget but like, there's at least Could've one scene they worse. had to they they had to do a reshoot and the fifty thousand dollars went towards his hairpiece <laughs> they, yeah, they had to they had so. to get him a hairpiece because they're like okay your hair's not growing back in time and also at this point he realized he was starting to go bald. <laughs>
1: I love that everyone involved is just like, "Oh, okay. There's, there's no way that this will ever backfire. In this, this plan is totally fine." Not a single one of them thought about reshoots, which happen on every movie ever made.
0: Oh, you're telling me that you know the entire plot of the movie is just finding these metal skulls that shoot lasers out. Do we have a big climax? No. Okay. Well, what if his ring was the thingy? Yeah, that it's makes the no fourth sense. skull.
1: It's the one that controls the three skulls. Everyone knows that.
0: Uh, but that makes no sense. It's smaller than the other skulls. The other skulls are bigger. So wouldn't that mean there's a bigger laser coming out? Shut up. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture like the Dana Gould school of writing. Like just add someone saying shut up. That's why and <laughs> you can solve all your problems.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how about uh, James Remar in this? He, I thought he was all right. But, the he big was thing right, him, but he's
0: so he's so miscast. Like, honestly, yeah. I would have preferred I, I, him as the Phantom.
1: Possibly. But at this juncture, I am so my mind cannot divorce him from the role of Harry from Dexter. So whenever he appeared on screen, I was just like, I wonder how he's applying his code here. <laughs> like, how is, he, not- how is he ethically killing this man?
0: <laughs> do, do, do you know what movie I applied that with for him? The remake of Miracle on 34th Street. <laughs> because he works for, for the, bad, the bad store. So I just picture him like coming up with a plan to kill Joss. <laughs> He's like, <"H- laughs> how do I get my son Dexter to take care of this guy who's trying to make Santa go away? Or do I kill Santa?
1: He's a little too young. Maybe I should have my daughter, who swears very awkwardly, but her personality trait is that she swears, do something about it.
0: Man, I can't wait for her to come back for the show. The, the, she, the person.
1: So, I, I, I like her. Like, totally fine. The one thing is, though, like, that's her personality trait is that she swears like a trucker, but she swears like a child in elementary school, where like she's afraid an adult will hear. So it's like, Dexter, what the fuck are you doing?
0: <laughs> Dexter, don't be such a dickhead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stop being a poopy peepee head. <laughs>
1: you know what this film made me realize
0: that Kirstie Swanson is a terrible actress
1: well that too but before that I miss a good old fashioned seaplane we don't see oh. those enough anymore
0: do you know what made it the best the fact that it's Catherine Zeta-Jones flying the seaplane
1: in the end it is but at the beginning it's not
0: well she, she, was,
1: she, was, she was she the pilot or was she one of the, um, the, the biplanes that attacked it
0: she was the biplane that attacked it. She was the aviatrix leading she had like a group of female aviatrix. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah
1: she yeah, she wasn't flying the seaplane. She was flying the, the biplanes.
0: <laughs> yeah, but then she she kidnaps her and then flies the seaplane.
1: The I guess so. Yeah, I mean Was she she wasn't Sky Captain in World of Tomorrow, right?
0: No, that was Angelina Jolie.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say that would be a pretty cool niche for her to have on her acting career, like I fly in strange things.
0: <laughs> well, in the neck in her next movie after this, she got Mask of Zorro. Like, because no one saw this movie, she was she's like, Oh my god, my career's over. And Spielberg who's producing Mask of Zoro is like, No one saw the movie, so no one knows who you are. We'll make you a star. <laughs> That's literally what happened. Mm. Also Good for her. Was it was it just me or did it feel like she should have been the Kirstie Swanson role?
1: She was much better, but uh, I I think she she works pretty well as like a femme fatale, um, who completely changes everything about her life on the drop of a hat.
0: Also, the fact that at the end of the movie, and Kit Walker shows his face to Diana, and he's only supposed to show it to the woman who he's gonna marry. Catherine Zeta-Jones is like five feet away. So does that mean that they're going to have one of those big love marriages where he's like Bill Paxton and she's Gene <laughs> she's Triplehorn?
1: So I wrote down one note about that that just said only one person? What's Garan to him? And Sala can definitely see his face.
0: <laughs> only only shouldn't, one he woman. Be
1: married to, shouldn't he already be married to Garan?
0: Was that his Alfred? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it—it it seems more like it, it's Batman logic.
1: What really shocked me about the Phantom, uh, as as a, as I guess, as as he operates in the manner of which he operates, he's really gun motivated. I did not expect that coming into this because the poster shows him like punching with his ring.
0: Yeah, the the tagline is "Slam Evil." In,
1: yeah, you get into it, and then he's just like fucking whipping duallys out on his hands and just like shooting off two guns at everyone that like walks by and he's just like hitting everyone. Like he's a market, like a master sharpshooter. It's insane.
0: Maybe I should add it together. That scene and replace all of the dialogue and audio with like a rhinestone cowboy.
1: <laughs> I mean, you could do the, um, the Hollywood high version of it where the DJ starts scratching it. Right, 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 right. And John Lovitz's eyes widen up.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, at one point, they wanted Lovitz in this movie. They're like, we need to get Lovitz in this movie. I don't know where he's going to fit in.
1: Did they actually have a role for him, or was it just like, we need to squeeze him in here somewhere?
0: If, if Dante was doing the movie, then Bill Hartman would have probably... Ask Lovitz to either be the role that not Chaz, Chaz Palminteri was, you know which guy I'm talking about. Yeah, the guy, the guy who looked exactly either that yeah. role or the chief of police. Uh, I think they know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> they know that more chief... than you
1: think. They know about the skulls.
0: <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> <laughs> I I honestly when he when Kip Walker gets to New York we're going all over the place but when Kip Walker gets to New York I would just love the cabbie to be like saying names of musicals that are actually occurring in like the 90s oh you got to go see rent you know it's the the big tony winner <laughs> oh man jersey boys you're going to love jersey boys
1: well, it's funny because that would not be the only uh, very easily researchable anachron- uh anachronicity in this film. I found uh, when they kept talking about uh, the devil's vortex, I was like, That's "You mean the, the Bermuda, Bermuda Triangle. Triangle?" Yeah. So I started thinking about it, and I'm like, "Wait, this takes place in 38." So I, I looked it up during this. Uh, this predates any sort of like mention of the Bermuda Triangle as like a supernatural entity. By 12 years. Oh, okay. And this is bearing in mind the fact that there's absolutely fucking nothing supernatural about the Bermuda Triangle and that it has the same statistics as every other goddamn place in the world.
0: You know, that's one of the changes that they probably made to the script is calling it the Devil's Vortex because knowing Joe Dante, he would have called it like the Devil's Anus.
1: <laughs> that would have been so fucking funny if they had named it that. <laughs>
0: The sphincter of doom. (laughs) But yeah, I I just something about him going to New York and being such a fish out of water where he he doesn't think of bringing actual currency like he he was living in New York, going to school, going to college. He, He must have known to like change his money back then. You don't go away for two years and like, oh, yeah. Currency exchange. Hmm, that's weird.
1: Yeah, uh, that was a little strange, and I had the same thought. But it was interesting that he hands the taxi driver what look like trinkets, if we're if we're being generous here,
0: and just you says, "Oh, these like? are very
1: valuable." What's that? Do you
0: re- do you do you remember growing up when uh, for fruit snacks they had the ones that were called gems, and they they were like. Mm-hmm. Fruit snacks that looked like diamonds and sapphires. That's what it looked like. It looked yep. like he was giving him fruit snacks. <laughs> this one's orange. This one's grape.
1: Yeah, they're just counting on HD never happening. Oh, don't worry. The camera will never be able to pick out that it's that they're uh, that they're gummy candies.
0: <laughs> they're gushers. <laughs>
1: there is like a little cross promotion going on, so they were able to repurpose some of the film for a commercial, in which uh, the taxi driver turns to the camera and says, "Delicious." And then that's it.
0: The colors, Duke. The colors. I'm um, colorblind. <laughs> I don't know if I
1: like hearing him say that sort of thing.
0: <laughs> but yeah, the the other thing about the cab driver is he he seems everyone okay, not just him, but with the exception of Diana, everyone in this movie is so dumb not to put two and two together that Kit Walker is the Phantom.
1: Diana only realizes towards the end, though. She, she goes a while without genuinely realizing, I believe, anyway. It's, it's not made clear by the movie because it gives you zero information.
0: I, believe but, yeah, that I, don't, the only I don't think person, she figured it out towards the end. The only person who I think knew who he was was that cab driver. He's like, yeah, give my regards to Mr. Walker, wank. Yeah, no,
1: he, Yeah, he knew. He did like a gross Lucille... Bluth wink type thing at him.
0: <laughs> I don't really care for Joe.
1: <laughs> Buster looks up and Chuck.
0: <laughs> I don't really care for Kit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my note about that was just his face is barely covered and he's making no effort to hide his voice. Diana is an <laughs> idiot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> she, they all are because I, I love when he shows up in New York it's like 40 minutes into the movie he's like oh no i need to go to new york and like he he does almost like a dunstan checks in where he 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 shows up in new york in the sunglasses and he's like i'm home and everyone's like get the fuck out of the road go see Mamma mia you'll love it kinky boots musical of the year (laughs) <laughs> that, that, that's the perfect movie for me That people are just giving him recommendations For Broadway musicals
1: Just irrelevantly so like he's asking Someone for directions and they'll be like oh you know What you would really like have you seen the Book of Mormon
0: <laughs>
1: Have you seen Into the Woods cats Eh no <laughs> The best part of cats is when the cats come out Into the audience
0: <laughs> So my family went To see cats on Broadway It was our first musical my sister and I and when they went out into the and audience that's why you
1: hated them for the rest of your life
0: well my sister was sitting on the end and she 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 didn't get scared she just turns to me and she's like what the fuck is going on here <laughs> keep in mind keep in mind she was like 13 <laughs> <laughs> what the damn hell but yeah I, so I, I, this- I, that's my new york in this movie, I, I want it to be set in the 30s, but everyone's giving him modern musicals to go see.
1: I like to see Spider Man of, uh, turn off the dock. Of, lots of food vendors, too. Like everywhere he goes, there's a hot dog man or a pretzel man or a hot nuts man.
0: I wish he was like Brad Pitt's character from Ocean's Eleven, where every he's scene just he's always just eating. Eat, yeah, he's always eating. Even when he's in costume. Ghost <laughs> who <laughs> walks, where did you get those hot nuts? There was a guy outside. (laughs) Oh, so I have it right here who it was between for between. So when Simon Winsor, the director of this movie, came on, it was between Zane and Josh Brolin.
1: Brolin would have been so much better.
0: Brolin would have been a million times better. Honestly, I would prefer either Brolin or or Matt Dillon. Because you got Matt Dillon. He's like, hi, I'm the ghost who walks.
1: (sighs) (laughs) I'm looking this up now. His career is awful, Simon Winsor. Like, he's done nothing. Nothing.
0: Don't leave me in suspense.
1: Like, well, when I say he's done nothing, I mean he's done nothing good. He's done Free Willy, followed that up the next year with Lightning Jack, and then the following year, he rounds out his hat trick with Operation Operation Dumbo Drop.
0: (laughs) I saw Lightning Jack in theaters, but Operation Dumbo Drop... Have you ever heard Dennis Leary talk about that? No. Him, Ray Liotta, and Danny Glover only took the movie to either buy a house, buy a beach house, or or get like a spa built in their mansion. And they all had pictures of what they were having. So they're <laughs> like, it was like a real war. We had pictures of our loved one, which for me it was a house, a beach house. <laughs> we're like, oh, we'll we'll get back one day. Get it makes He'll me get think
1: of when um, Michael Caine was asked if he had ever seen Jaws 4, and he said, no, but I saw the house that it bought me, and it's beautiful.
0: Oh, Michael Caine was supposed to be Patrick McGowan's role in this. When, when it was Joe Dante, Joe Dante was in talks with uh, Michael Caine to play the older Phantom, and he's like, well, I've never done, you know, a superhero movie before Master Wine.
1: I've, I've never done this, anything like this, quite like this before, Master Bruce.
0: <laughs> she was only 15 years old. She was only 15.
1: So, after The Michael, Phantom... Michael, keep
0: saying that. Stop saying that. <laughs> yeah, after The so, Phantom, so,
1: Simon Winsor went on to direct uh, a favorite of mine, because of how just mind-numbingly awful it is, uh, Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. Have you oh seen that film?
0: Oh, my God. No.
1: There's but there is a wonderful gag that is played out for several minutes in it where well, one of his dumb buddies I, I, from Australia comes to visit and they go up to a Wendy's drive-through and he's explaining to his dumb friend like how the system works, like the drive-through system works. And his friend's like, "Does that mean we can order as much as we want and no one will think we're pigging out?" And like you see like the light bulb go off in Paul Hogan's head. And there's a scene that I cannot stress how long it goes on, with the two of them sitting at the fucking thing at the Wendy's drive-thru, talking into it, saying, uh, yes, our friend John is here. He will also be dining with us. And then they just keep adding more food and adding more names. That's like uh, so, a, what constitutes as a joke in that film.
0: <laughs> so I I worked at a movie theater in high school, and in the break room, there was a one of the prizes, like there was this weird hierarchy. If you sold a bunch of like gift cards or there were prizes basically that they would give out. And one of them was a signed so excited. by <laughs> it was a signed <laughs> Dundee in LA poster from Paul Hogan and no one <laughs> wanted it. So they framed it and they hung it in our break room. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, well, that's—I think that's the best way to do it because then everyone can enjoy it.
0: <laughs> Speaking of ed- writing an
1: arbitration,
0: did oh, you hear you know about what?
1: his situation on that?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, because uh, Matt Berry, not not what we do in the shadows, Matt Berry, but comedy writer Matt Berry, basically wrote it and needed money, and he wanted to keep his name off it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he he wrote it, um, and basically there was a stipulation where uh, Paul Hogan would get second billing on the writing, even though he had nothing to do with it. Hogan got greedy and then tried to sue for uh, more credit than he was worth. And in the process, a judge ended up ruling that he should not be credited at all on it, (laughs) because he had nothing to do with the actual writing of it. So his name is completely absent from it. When Had he just kept his mouth shut, he would have had a credit for it.
0: Well do you want to know what it said on the poster
1: oh, I I want nothing more
0: <laughs> <laughs> It said Congratulations and good day Best wishes Paul Hogan
1: <laughs> Remember to eat at Wendy's
0: <laughs> Keep reaching for them Stars kangaroos and wallabies I,
1: I'm just curious to see if some Some um, generous soul Has done this yet
0: Remember, koala bears have chlamydia. <laughs> yeah, but but yeah, with with this movie, I have a feeling that the reason why they picked Simon Windsor to direct it is because Paul Hogan, not Paul Hogan, Joe Dante. Fuck you, Paul Hogan. Uh, I'm waving in the air like he's dead. Uh, <laughs> Joe Dante uh, stepped away. So I have this theory, and you can tell me if I'm crazy, but. When a big director is about to direct a movie and they leave it, I feel like they just like the studio points to someone. and They're like, you directed because uh, when we were talking about Mystery Men, originally Ben Stiller was supposed to direct Mystery Men, but Cable Guy tanked. So they kept him on as an actor and he was a ghostwriter on the script, but... He didn't direct the movie, and the guy who directed it gave up halfway through and Stiller still ended up directing the movie, but got no credit for oh, it. Yeesh. So I feel like when when a big-name director is supposed to direct and they drop out, they just get some poor schmo who's never made a movie before.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that sounds about right.
0: And that's what yeah. this movie feels like, because a lot of the stuff apparently Joe Dante did shoot a few scenes like all of the stuff that looks like it's on a soundstage and green screen with the airplanes and him that's all Joe Dante
1: yeah that makes sense
0: but I, I just love the fact that Joe Dante was like oh god they, they kept the they, script <laughs> you maniacs you did it <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Dante so- please please calm down
1: uh just so you and everyone else out there um are aware if you search YouTube for crocodile Dundee Wendy scene, you're gonna have your option of two different versions of the clip that uh that are uploaded there
0: oh one's the explicit eh yeah,
1: it's the one where you see uh Jacko topless
0: <laughs> is is that his friend yeah <laughs> Hi just like this, That's...
1: big, dumb Australian dude.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know he he's, he's Australia's answer to John Goodman.
1: <laughs> I saw um, Hannibal in the theater when it came out. and uh, my buddy Steve and I when we were leaving, we were walking through the theater and I was looking at all the like coming soon posters. And it was like I walk by and I see Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles, and I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Walk a few more feet, and I see Jurassic Park three, and I'm like, "Why can't they stay off the island?" And like, there's <laughs> another poster there too. It was just like this whole row of things where it's like, no one is asking for this.
0: Was it Charlie Angels Full Throttle? <laughs> Bill Murray's not even in it for fuck's sake. They just have a framed photo of him. But so with this movie, there were supposed to be three sequels or two sequels.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There was supposed to be, there be two. There almost
1: more. was one in 2008.
0: 2010 is when it came out. They okay. filmed it. Did, did you read the history of that? They filmed it in 2007, yeah. 2008, and they shelved it for two I thought, years. I thought, they didn't even,
1: I thought they didn't even film it.
0: Are you? T- oh, you're talking about the Billy Zane one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, they, w- uh, they got the original cast back together and had them on board to do it in, like, 2008.
0: Yeah, but they made a... I think it was some a Italian um uh film production company made Look Up 2010 The Phantom oh god you got to see this cover art it's 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 like chef chef's kiss isabella rossellini's miniseries. in it yeah
1: all right uh i see a small thumbnail of it and i don't want to look at it until i get <laughs> Chris, not why are you eyes <laughs> closed? large. Okay, still not focusing on it because I need to open this in a new tab and see it full. Oh. This is... This
0: is you're speechless.
1: Well, I'm just confused by the fact that he's wearing a visor.
0: Yeah, he, he literally looks like one of the, the cops from the fifth element.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's very much what he looks like. So, but um, he's the, wearing gloves, and over his glove is his ring, which has a different. Sim- oh no, wait, that's the other hand. He he has the right one on the other hand. But so, yeah, he's still wearing glo- uh, rings over gloves, and he's got uh, he's got his dually pistols in hand, so he's ready for uh, he's ready for action here.
0: Well, did you did you read <laughs> anything about what the the rings? Because he has two rings. He has one that has the the stone in it. That's the one he punches people with. And that's how he marks them as, you know, these are bad people. But then he has another ring that when he shakes people's hands, it puts a little indent to let you know that they're his friend. So just imagine shaking his hand and you're just like, ow, that hurt. Did you just brand me? Is this what friendship is to you? That's really odd. Yeah, the Phantom is a terrible friend. (laughs) Also, the fact that the people in this world are so dumb that they believe, oh, my God, I stabbed that guy in the back. He should be dead. Uh, What if he had a kid who continued his legacy? No, no, that's impossible.
1: That seems like something they never even remotely considered. They're just like, oh, wait, this has to be the same guy. There's no way this is a different person.
0: But he looks younger and better looking. He's got cheekbones now.
1: Even though I guess since in their universe Force ghosts exist, I mean, I guess they're right to question whether or not this is the same man. Because obviously fucking the Can laws of nature are out of, are out of, you know, out the window.
0: He, he clearly has dementia, right? Like he, he, he got, he's, he might have malaria or got bit by some bug out in the jungle <laughs> that allows him to hallucinate and see his dead father.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think, did Magoo ever interact with anything physical?
0: No, he but he, he like his lines are like, <laughs> I can't. But So McEwen is an example of not translating the satire, right? Because he's like, yeah. you let the skulls get away.
1: <laughs> I was confusing it in my mind because um, I just watched that uh, American Horror Stories show. So like not the, the main show, but they have this other one that's like one off episodes or whatever. And for some reason, in my head, I conflated a scene from that where a ball came rolling out of nowhere. And in my head, I'm like, that had to have been Patrick McGowan.
0: <laughs> there was a so bubble that's after I he had,
1: That's why I thought he had moved something in the real world. <laughs>
0: do, do you think that he's um basically his character from The Prisoner? He's just trapped on this island again? <laughs> <'Cause if> you...
1: <laughs> he's, yeah, he's just astral projecting to his son. You know, I'm I'm glad you're having a lot of fun, uh, but I uh, I need to be rescued. There is this giant <laughs> balloon that will not let me escape.
0: But Diana, yeah, fuck her.
1: <laughs> well, he made some sort of like lewd, like look at, or some comments to him about her at one point towards the end.
0: He's uh, he's almost like that that bellhop from The Simpsons. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> weep, weep. <laughs> hoppa hoppa. <laughs> so do you want to hear the story of how billy zane almost died making this movie
1: uh yeah no i'd love to hear that
0: he he insisted on doing most of his own stunts and after doing one stunt in particular he's like i don't want to do this anymore well yeah that's why (laughs) there are
1: people who are paid to do that because they can do it and you can't you're an actor you say lines
0: (laughs) yeah do you know what stunt it was
1: was it the one where he ran across the top of cars in the city?
0: No, he. Well, yeah, he did do that, and he had a blast. I,
1: yeah, I could I spend twenty minutes. Like I
0: could, I could spend the rest I, of this podcast talking <laughs> about that scene.
1: I thought that it looked like him, and I assumed that they just did a really good job of having someone that like looked like him or something like that. But yeah, it's terrifying to know that he was doing that.
0: That was no. It was it was the plane. He did the plane jumping onto the horse.
1: Oh Jesus. Did um yeah. did he break his did he break his dick? Is that what
0: happened? <laughs> no, he fell off the he, he he missed the horse and he sprained his ankle. Oh, He's Jesus. like, oh, why didn't anyone tell me that stunts were dangerous? <laughs> so, so Billy, you wanna do the bridge scene? No. <laughs>
1: Speaking of the horse, uh, who is named Hero. I had one moment in this that I really appreciated, and I appreciate it when it happens in any movie. And it's when you see two animals, and they're trained to look at each other and share a moment of acknowledgement before doing something, like they're agreeing on something. And that happens in this, when Devil the Wolf runs over to Hero, kind of looks at Hero, and like Hero like nods, and then they both run yeah. off together.
0: <laughs> it, that was that whole satire thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no. It's uh, there are a lot of scenes where it's definitely right there, and that was actually immediately before uh, the the scene where he he broke his dick.
0: (laughs) He didn't break his dick.
1: Hey, can we can we do us can we do some line reading really quick? Sure. I I want you to read for uh, what was what was her name? Diana or Sala? Sala. All right. Yeah, you got to read for Sala. I'll I'll pop. I'll pop your line in the chat, and uh, I'm gonna be. That sounds
0: so gross. Don't ever say that again.
1: (laughs) I'll pop your line in the chat. Shut up. Why are you so? Why are you so mean? Don't you care about anything? Like what? You figure it out. End scene. That is the line that changed. Uh, Sala from being like this, like femme fatale, like really bad person to 100% on their side with no questions asked.
0: Yeah, because like she's like, us girls need to stick together. She's doing this like transcontinental, like Catherine Hepburn impression, and then you have, you know, Kirstie Swanson who's like, you're a like baloney.
1: Yeah, it's it's really weird watching um, watching Christy Swanson interact with people because with the exception of her and Zane, who are ironically the leads of the film, so yeah, everyone seems to have their own thing going. So like Sala is doing a uh, a mid-Atlantic thing. Treat is doing his like over-the-top like twirling mustache thing. You have John and, Tenney. Yeah,
0: ironically. Oh, John Tenney was the other one, Um, uh, her friend, who was like, where did I see that? It was my 12th birthday party. Th- that guy. He- <laughs> yes. yeah, he He's the other one who's like realizing it's a satire.
1: Yeah, I think that that's about right. Well, he's also in a role where it's easy to kind of play that play that angle up because he's playing like the guy who's who's romantically interested in the female lead, but is obviously not going to end up with her. Right.
0: <laughs> I'm what they call a practice boy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh i didn't love when he kissed her clearly against her will at the beginning of the film
0: yeah he's like diana darling and she's like eh, no
1: yeah like he leans over and kisses her and you can see visually that she is not kissing him back it's like creepy and the way that they shot it was just like ugh. do
0: you know who should have been I, this I don't role like
1: this <laughs> who
0: it should have been julie warner from doc hollywood
1: Julie Warner. She was
0: also in Tommy Boy.
1: Got to look her up cuz the just by name I'm not. Jesus, she doesn't have a Wikipedia page?
0: Or Nancy Travis would have been good too.
1: Nancy Travis I could see, yeah.
0: I mean Nancy Travis, Poor Nancy, my, Travis. <laughs> Nancy Travis should be in everything in my opinion. So I married an axe murderer. Yeah, she does
1: she doesn't deserve Yeah, she doesn't deserve to be on the last man standing. Oh yeah, she's she's very similar to Nancy Travis, Julie Warner, yeah. just in physical appearance. Yeah, like so, yeah, yeah. She would The
0: the other thing is that they're good actresses. Kirstie Swanson, yeah, was good for the role of uh, Simone in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, and also Buffy the Buffy the Vampire, the Vampire Slayer is what I was gonna say, and also Lassiter's girlfriend, uh, future wife on Psych. But, like, I I don't get the 90s. They casted Kirstie Swanson in everything. If you look at her 90s, yeah, I mean, there it are, was humongous.
1: There are a, a number of different people that I would have preferred in that role. Jennifer Connelly would have been awesome.
0: Yeah, but it. she was already in the Rocketeer at this point.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, so... She had her one like heavy genre film for the yeah. decade.
0: Penelope Ann Miller was already in the shadow. Like, oh, speaking of
1: um uh, he- uh, her and heavy genre movie uh films and whatnot. Have you seen the um uh, what's it called? What the hell is it called? Snowpiercer TV show.
0: Uh yeah, I watched some of the first season.
1: It's pretty good, and yeah, Jennifer Connelly like steals the show, and David Diggs is always awesome in anything. I like he does. the fact
0: that he. It's like a procedural like there's a crime every season.
1: It's yeah. so good. Yeah, it's so good.
0: But Kirstie Swanson just doesn't make sense in this. I mean, for... Let, let's think about who was getting star-making roles at this point. So Gwyneth Paltrow, she would have done this instead of the pallbearer, which honestly would have been an upgrade in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, Leslie Mann would have been good. No,
1: <laughs> trying to think well up. No, that, no, she would have been fine. Um, I, I actually, I, I don't think she would have been great in this particular context. I think she works in a really suburban context, if that makes yeah. sense. So if she's playing like a grounded, like real life character, I think she's really good. I don't see her doing something more fantastical like this and pulling it off.
0: Maybe Cameron Diaz. Like this would have been before my best friend's wedding and, uh, after the mask.
1: They might not have been able to afford her. Uh, well, actually, no, because, yeah, she didn't really, I don't think she really hit, like, Cameron Diaz status until There's Something About yeah, Mary. There's Something About Mary.
0: Or 98, yeah. 98, was there Something About Mary. So.
1: Yeah, it was 98, because I worked at Kmart in the uh, electronics department in 99, and uh, I had a pin advertising it, and it was, like, just a cutout of her head with, like, her hair, <laughs> like, going wavy because it has, like, male stuff in it. <laughs>
0: <Males>. <laughs> But yeah, like the the fact that that Bob Evans, who we've talked about on this podcast, I told you the story about him, how this was around the time where he got busted by the FBI because he tried to buy cocaine, Costco wholesale. <laughs> He's like, this couldn't possibly be a sting. Hey, you guys want to be in the Phantom? But yeah, like,
1: <laughs> oh, you know. You know who would have been pretty good? Elizabeth Shue.
0: Oh yeah, but she was doing leaving Las Vegas at this point, so.
1: Yeah, and actually like winning Academy Awards.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what? Have oh, you? Kelly Preston.
1: Yeah, she was she was doing something real. Kelly Preston. Kelly
0: Preston would have yep. been good. Anybody with a pulse. <laughs> I know I'm gonna think of someone, and I'm gonna text you at like. Two in the morning, I'm gonna be like, "Oh, (laughs) what about this person?" (laughs) And you're gonna be like, "I'm trying to sleep. Go away." Oh,
1: you know, you know who would have been pretty fun in this role at that age is uh, Helena Bottom Carter.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Or, as I said before, make Catherine Zeta-Jones, um, the Kirstie Swanson role, and make Helena Bottom Carter. I I
1: believe. I believe that. That I fully believe. Like, because Helena Bottom Carter is a great villain.
0: Yeah. But this movie, like, you shouldn't be rooting for the villain and you shouldn't be like blase about, you know, Kit Walker jumping from car to car.
1: Yeah, uh, I got to tell you, though, that's exactly how it went down for me.
0: Also, the (laughs) fact that he can talk to animals and they like gloss over that, like he communicates with a tiger and they're like, oh, cool.
1: Yeah, that so yeah, what was my note about that? Uh, I had a note somewhere. Whatever.
0: But yeah, like
1: oh, it just just he's one with the animals.
0: <laughs> he's one with the animals. Also, the whole they have um Oh my god, what's his name from Mortal Kombat? They have um for like a scene they had Do you know who I'm talking about? The bad guy at the end?
1: Yeah, the great Kabai Singh.
0: Yeah, what what's his name? Uh Kerry Carrie... It's Kerry
1: Harioka Tagawa. Yeah,
0: Kerry Harioka Tagawa. Um I, I can't pronounce oh, I...
1: oh he was Shang Tsung.
0: Yeah. And he was also uh in um whatchamacallit Plan of the Apes. He was crawling uh Planet of the Apes.
1: The Tim Burton. Yeah. One? I assume. Yes. Just based on his age. Yeah.
0: But <laughs> they
1: have like a 12 year old playing like a major like, role in the original I'm Planet to remember, of playroom. I
0: remember it. He, he was the bad guy in Showdown in Little Tokyo. It was, he went head to head with Dolph Lundgren and uh, Brandon Lee. Like, he's a great actor and he's in the movie for five minutes and he kills a guy with a cannon yeah, and then was, he dies.
1: Yeah. I was really surprised by that because I was looking through the um, the cast before watching it. And I saw like so many different people in it that had like titles and whatnot that seemed like, oh, is this the bad guy? Is this like, I couldn't figure out who the actual bad guy was just based on that. But yeah, given where he's built too, like, he's built fourth. The taxi driver, the Al, the taxi driver, has far more screen time than he does. So does does
0: Casey Simesco.
1: Who is Casey Simesco? He's
0: the guy at the beginning, his partner, who's like, I killed him a long time ago. Oh, the one who gets killed? Well, well, he's back, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Good old good old 3D from Back to the Future. <laughs> but yeah, like this movie is like so unmemorable and they were trying to make a franchise and I really wish my parents went with the lie and said, you know, yeah, we, we, we <laughs> bought the theater out for this. We we had such a stereotypical '90s birthday party. After this, we got we went to the pool club and got three large pizzas from Papa Gino's.
1: I mean, no argument there for me though. Like Papa Gino's is awesome.
0: Well, I'm just saying that's a '90s birthday party. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, in a nutshell. So yeah, I guess I don't know, just like taking looking at the grander scheme of things, I don't think I disliked this as much as you did, and that might be because I went in with the benefit of knowing it was originally supposed to be a comedy. So in the end, I saw this I didn't I don't think I rated it, I would rate it on just like a straight scale. Oh, I still love this movie because um, it's
0: terrible, but I did when I yeah, I, it, I literally found just, out now that Joe Dante was supposed to do it and Joe Dante is one of my favorites, so
1: yeah, it's... It, how do I how do I express what I'm thinking? Like, I, I, I can't... I don't think I can ex- rate it as, like, just a standard movie. I think I have to rate it with the full knowledge of knowing everything that went in behind the scenes. But had I not known that, I would have thought that this was, like, a weird, kind of less good Batman Forever. Yeah. But knowing what went into it, I actually like it quite a bit more.
0: So, how many bagels?
1: Well, again... I'm going to refer to the fact that I need to add a modifier to this rating. So kind of similar to decibels, like decibels as a term doesn't mean anything. Decibels has to be given a quantifier, like a scale modifier. So usually when you, people say decibels, they need decibel milliwatt, or decibel full scale is another way. You need to apply some sort of criteria. My criteria is what I just said, that I'm applying a lot of knowledge of the background of this movie into watching it. And I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it has eight and a
0: half. Wow, I'm giving it yeah. six and a half bagels. But geez, wow.
1: Yeah, no, I I I enjoyed this movie. I think a lot more than you did, uh, just based on the discussion. And it's absolutely ridiculous, but at the same time, you have Al the Cabbie, who is one of the greatest characters of any film ever made. Yeah, <laughs> and and you have Treat Matthew uh, Treat Williams, who reminds me of um. Like Matthew Modine now.
0: Yeah. Well, Tree Williams. Like If they
1: remade this movie now, Modine would be his character.
0: Tree Williams. The crazy thing about Tree Williams is that like he went from doing this to doing Everwood on the CW or WB at the time. And that was like the the male version of Gilmore Girls. So for him to be like the same equivalent of Lauren Graham just blows my goddamn mind.
1: Yeah. Maybe uh, if there's a season two of Mighty Ducks Game Changers, he'll be a dad in it.
0: (laughs) That would be fantastic. Or he's the new bad coach. That would be. And here's his girlfriend.
1: Hashtag treatin' the ducks.
0: (laughs) Treating the ducks.
1: Treat in the ducks. (laughs) But yes. Do not let Disney forget
0: so i i have a a trilogy that i watch this as like and i go from worst to best so i have a is the shadow one shadow's number one for the worst then this is in the middle <laughs> okay. and you know what the third one is oh shit literally already mentioned it on this no episode.
1: the both, both of these two like are right in my mental rolodex right away Rocketeer uh, for, for 90s one. superhero failures Oh, okay. Yeah, now, The Rocketeer, I haven't seen, but my understanding of it is that it's actually a pretty good movie that just flopped.
0: It is. It Also, the fact that they had a big-name actor that they wanted to go with, and they went with Billy Campbell, because they're like, this guy's going to be huge. Oh, Billy Campbell. Poor Billy Campbell. So, do you want to promote anything?
1: Uh, Yeah. Uh, my, uh, my main podcast is coming back from hibernation, uh, old man, cloud. Uh, one of our hosts moved to South Carolina. So we took a little summer break while he got situated and, uh, yeah, we've recorded our first episode back and that's actually going to go out tomorrow as of this recording.
0: I have another podcast called hell's the musical, which Chris has been on. Uh, we had our, Annette episode and our Mamma mia episode is probably out as of this recording and Yeah. Chris is also going to come back for that, even though he hates musicals. I don't like them. <laughs> Most of our guests don't. So, yeah, but you have time to prepare yourself mentally. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I suppose. Uh, just, I, I feel like this should get out there. Uh, before we started recording, Scott gave me two options of what uh, what I could cover, and one of them I received enthusiastically, and I was basically told, oh, you're not doing that. <laughs> so just oh, like dangling a carrot and then taking no, it No, <laughs> you're
0: still going to do it. It's just we want you to do the other one, too. We're <laughs> like, if you no, buy I'm, this I'm, car... I'm
1: um, no, I'm I'm cool. I I can I can I can um uh, you know eat a eat a handful of uh of nonsense and be fine with it.
0: <laughs> we just want to create the momentum that we have with the the Dancer in the Dark episode. But uh, yeah, you can find us on Twitter for Hell Is a Musical at on Twitter and Instagram. You can find Writer's Bagel Basket on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can email us writersbagelbasket at gmail dot com. Go on to Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars, subscribe, and you'll get the latest episodes. Um, Chris, thanks for doing this.
1: Thanks for having me. Uh, This is a fun movie. Yeah,
0: this is a ridiculous movie. (laughs) Until next time, I'm Scott Kerlin. Bye.